everybody, and welcome to this next edition of the A Mindset Podcast. Today, I am very happy to have Dr. Nicholson Siryat Fun. He is a neuropsychologist and lecturer at the Division of Social Science at the Hong Kong University of Science and Technology. And he's been working with children with special education needs for more than 10 years. Nicholson is also one of our counselors here at Mindset. And what I really like about Nicholson with his uh, degree in um, neuropsychology and neurosciences, he is able to take that experience and knowledge and bring it to psychotherapy and counseling. Well, actually, this brings me to his article that he wrote uh, this month uh, called Executive Functions and Child Development. And as ever, you can find it on our website, mindset.hk. Thank you so much, Nicholson, for coming on this podcast today. How are you going? Yes, uh, I'm ready to share my view on the executive functions. Okay, wonderful. Yes. Um, as I mentioned before, my dear listeners, um, Nicholson wrote uh, an article that you can find on our website, www.mindset.hk, called Executive Functions and Child Development. Now, Nicholson, you're a bit of a specialist on when it comes to all matters brain, aren't you? Yes, um, I, I have been studying neuropsychology for years and it is my expertise and basically I have been studying the frontal lobe functions and I would uh, work on interventions on how to help the children to improve their executive functions. Oh, okay, great. That's that's really interesting. And this is, of course, everything that your article is about, about kids' executive functions. Now, in reading your article, it's 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 very, very interesting. You mentioned that when it comes to executive functions, the prefrontal cortex is the main area that is involved. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It, yeah. So so yeah, basically on, yes, uh basically the uh executive functions are we, we have found the relationship between the frontal loop and also the executive functions is the major areas that uh, control our executive functions. So that's why uh, it's very important to help children to develop their frontal loops in order to make them achieve in their future careers as well as their academic studies. And what about in, in life in general? Um, mm. Does the prefrontal cortex um, mm. contribute to that as well? Yes, basically executive function is like CPU of a computer. So it's governing you to navigate things like planning about your life, etc. So basically everything is uh, involving executive functions. That's why uh, I also mentioned in the articles that uh, if you have very good executive functions, basically all parts of your life will be good, doing good. And that's why uh, we want to improve uh, children's executive functions. Mm, mm, mm. Now, I, I mean, this is what I'm going to ask you now. I hope you don't mind because I know it's mm. not mentioned in, in your article. But um, mm. personally, I am a mother of preteens and mm. we always joke about teenagers. Mm. Um, and, I, and I read somewhere about the, the why teenagers 
act the way they do is because their prefrontal cortex mm. is growing. Yes, true. And and then it's squashed, is mm. it? So uh, how does that affect the uh, executive function? Have you done any research in, in that area mm, for teenagers? Uh, yes, uh, basically for teenagers, uh, there is always uh, research showing that uh, the prefrontal cortex is still underdeveloped. That's mm -hmm. why uh, they have poor inhibition skills. And in, this, uh, and in that sense, most of the teenagers usually have uh, deviant behaviors and they do not like to listen to others. And that's why uh, there are a lot of uh, conduct behaviors uh, during the teenage period with the influence of uh, the hormones as well. Be being uh, teenagers, there will be a lot of uh, hormonal effect and also uh, without the proper inhibition abilities from the prefrontal cortex and that's why uh, they will be uh, in the in the uh, in, in a storm that uh, having a lot of uh, problematic behaviors mm. but yet in this time um, when we've got this crushed well squished prefrontal mm. cortex it's slightly underdeveloped we've got all these hormones rushing through our veins in this time we through throw so much education at our kids and they mm. seem to be able to suck it up like languages mm. and all that and they seem mm. to be able to work with that is there a reason for that as well yeah uh basically that that will be talking about uh backfires when you when you want them to learn and it's uh they they try to act the opposite mm -hmm. so that's that mm -hmm. that is the way that uh they are trying to uh work on uh counteract with what what you are doing uh what you want him or her doing oh, so okay dealing with the teenage issues most of the time uh we have to show our empathy we have to show our understanding towards them and especially uh it's very important to talk about compassion as well just mm. like showing uh compassion towards their needs uh what what they are really uh, uh care about their everyday lives so that they really feel the genius caring from you and that will help uh to have a better communications between the teenagers and also their parents Oh, okay, great. Thank you for that, Nicholson. That's really interesting. Now, there's an, I'd like to go to another part of, of the brain. Mm. The, I'm I'm not sure I can pronounce it properly, the anterior cingulate uh, cortex and the basal yes. ganglia, which mm. are also involved in executive mm. functions. But mm. if I look at the brain, am I correct in, in saying that these are actually um, part of an older part of your brain, say, mm. say the old part of your brain, mm. it come into play as well? Mm. Uh, that will be actually uh, uh, talking about uh, the limbic systems. And, and that will be, uh, we talk about the older parts of the brain and that is uh, contributing to our emotions, uh, contribute to our understandings of uh, inhibitions as well. So mm -hmm. anterior cingulate cortex is the areas that are responsible for inhibitions. And for the basal ganglia is like uh, some motor skills and as well as some uh, uh, motivations on what you are doing and how we really have uh, the, the energy or the motives to do certain things. And that are the two parts of the brain that are corresponding to the behaviors. Oh, okay. So when you're a young child and mm. your prefrontal cortex is not yet that developed, are these mm. two areas stronger in your behavior? Do they give more of a contribute more to, to your behavior when you're young? 
Mm, uh, I will not uh, say it like that because uh, mm -hmm. our brain is like developing entirely together, but not uh, having different parts uh, develop. Uh, but what I want to mention is like talking about the brain efficiencies, just like uh, how well your neural networks are developed. This is the more important aspect when we talk about the efficiency of the brain. Just like uh, if we can enhance the neural network development in children, that is what we are trying to do. We provide training that is actually uh, training their brain uh, to have more neural networks. And that is uh, related to the concept of neuroplasticity. That that is like uh, we can shape our brain into the way that we want. Ah, okay. Yeah, you did mention uh, different ways of of training um, to go into so increasing learning, academic achievement, social and emotional development, and mm -hmm. health and well being to help with those. And the first one you mentioned is cognitive training. Now, is this mm -hmm. basically what we do in schools? Mm, uh, not really. So, mm -hmm. uh, the the cognitive training involves the training for attention, uh, involving the uh skills training for the memory. That is not typical, uh, in school. In school, we really learn the knowledge, but what we are doing the cognitive training is like teaching the ways that they can learn better. Just like uh, they they do not able to focus for a long period of time for class. So we will have some exercise to change, to improve their attention span. And that will uh, making them stay longer, uh, pay more attention during the class. So we are like uh, doing the cognitive training to improve their strategies for learning. So that will be uh, what we are trying to train them uh, to improve their memory, to improve their attention, to improve their inhibitions, and also the cognitive flexibility. Mm. I'm going to put you on the spot here, Nicholson. Could you give me an example of one of these cognitive trainings? Mm. Uh, for example, like uh, memory, uh, we may uh, teach them on some strategies like subjective organizations. Just like when they learn some new knowledge, we have to teach them on when they receive the new knowledge, how we can organize it in a better way so that uh, it will be easier to be remembered. Like subjective organization, we, we teach them on some skills that they can associate the things together. So making easier to connect the things that is following uh, the ideas of neural network. When we try to, just, just like in notes here, when the memory uh, form the notes with another, so that's the associations. Give you an example, like uh, we, we want to talk about a fire truck. When we talk about a fire truck, it will be associated with red color. It will be associated with a ladder. And this is talking about how we can connect the things together, four wheels as well. And there is a horse that are using to eject the water, for example. And when we try to elaborate the concept and we have different cues, and it will help the children to remember better about what they have learned. And it can facilitate their later recall as well. Yeah, that's very interesting because as you're describing, let's uh, the fire truck, you're saying fire truck. Mm. And the first thing in my mind, it, you're right, it's the color red, it's yes. a ladder, it's, mm. it's the light, and it's the Nina, Nina, Nina. Yeah, so that sound, automatically yes. comes up. It's just yes. boom, it's there. It's <laughs> quite fascinating, isn't it? Mm. How that works. And um, so that's so that really, really clear. So then the other one was mindfulness training mm, now yes. mindfulness is for the past few years uh mm. 10 15 years has really come to the fore as mm. being something we can do so how is how is that apply in mm. in, in this case here 
Yeah, basically, uh, some parents may ask why we can do or why we can actually train mindfulness uh, with children. So with a lot of practice in the old days, uh, we do find some strategy in putting uh, children in doing the mindfulness. So uh, in for, for doing mindfulness with adults, we usually sit and then we do the breathing. But uh, for children, we usually lie them down on, on the floor with a with a mat so that they, they can uh, sleep comfortably. And then uh, we usually use a yellow duck, okay? We put a yellow duck on their stomach. So mm -hmm. they can actually look at the yellow duck to moving up and moving down. So we, we will use some strategies to engage the children in doing the mindfulness. And these are some ways that we can actually make making them more interested in doing the mindfulness because we want them to focus. It's not that easy without some toys or without some strategies. And that are some examples that we will engage them in doing the mindfulness so that they will be really practicing and enjoying uh, the mindfulness process. And with the aims of mindfulness, we can actually train them to be more aware of their surroundings. And this is also something that we want to train our children to pay more awareness to their surrounding, pay more awareness to their body needs that is typically uh, neglected in the mainstream school that uh, really didn't focus on making them aware with the surrounding, aware of themselves, what are really needs from them. Just like some kids are pushed to go to school every day, but they are really actually really very, very tired. And they didn't uh, say to their parents, but when they're doing the mindfulness, when they calm themselves down and then they actually feel that they are so sleepy. And then sometimes uh, they are practicing mindfulness and then they actually fall into sleep. But that's fine. That is the goal that they are aware of the needs. And this is what we want to do and the aims of mindfulness for practicing for the children. Mm, mm. That's a lot of food for thought there. Mm. That's very interesting. And now something, um, play-based interventions. Now I know mm. in, in some of the, the, the schools in Hong Kong, there's the class sizes are very mm. big. They have a very tight schedule of things they want to run. Mm. So they can't really, maybe some of them cannot do play-based interventions, but we can Mm, as therapists yeah. so what do we do and how does this influence the, the kids and their brains mm, yes uh usually uh we want to uh make the children learn through praying because this is the means that uh you can make them engage usually uh we want them to have more creativity with with uh the play or the games like uh, uh, sometimes we make use of the bricks and ask them to design some uh, interesting structures or, or make them create something that they really want. And this is sometimes uh, also uh, didn't uh, pay attention in the mainstream schooling because most of the time they watch through the syllabus. And in our training, we really want the child to enjoy what they are doing. And that's why uh, we have some, some games for that. And also, uh, we also want to bring the kids to the playground and do some exercise. And that, that is uh, really important to their brain as well. There are a lot of research already indicating that exercise can actually boost their brain power. And this, this is really important uh, for, for just some exercise uh, in the playground. And that's why uh, we, we really want to engage students in plays. Mm. And when you're saying playing in the playground, now I read somewhere um, mm. about team sports, about playing mm. in yeah. teams. Mm -hmm. It does this, is this, is, 
different from just playing in the playground or is yeah. it very similar? Uh, team pace, actually, we will introduce different elements like uh, competitions, uh, also social interactions. And when we uh, play some games that are in the team format, we have other purpose for those kind of play. Just like we want them to know how to communicate with one another, or uh, we want them to actually uh, learn how to complete with others. Learning uh, to complete with others is not that easy. They have to accept failures. On the other hand, they have to learn the, the process of team spirit as well. And these are the elements that we can put them uh, into and engage uh, different tasks. That, that is the most important things. They can accept who they are and then they will not be afraid of judgment. And even if they fail in the games, it's fine because uh, they already put uh, work for their best. And these are the concepts that we can prepare the children to have a better self-esteem and they will not be easily defeated. And this is building up their psychological strength. Mm -hmm. and I have one, one, one last question. It seems like we, it's time's gone so quick. It's yes. just so interesting. Thank you so much, yeah. Nicholson. But I have, I have one question. As a, as a neuroscientist, mm. is, that, is that correct? Yes, yes. Um, do you so you do these interventions and mm. then can you actually see the changes in the brain? Yes, uh, actually, we have did some research in the past. Uh, my expertise is actually in EEG, and mm -hmm. we do see a lot of changes in the brain. Uh, like uh, the brain is actually more receptive to the informations, and also like uh, when we talk about the attentions, uh, this is not only talking about the behavior aspect, but it's also talking about the brain activations is also increased. And for mindfulness, this is particularly interesting. We found that uh, the children practicing mindfulness for like uh, uh, three months, there is already changes in their brain. Uh, the, the anterior cingulate cortex, that, that the brain area corresponding to inhibitions, it becomes more active, okay? So this is uh, what we have uh, in our previous research. And this is a very encouraging finding for us to continue to practice mindfulness with the children. Mm, mm. so sorry that's going to bring up one more question i did say it was the last okay. one but you did yeah. mention the word inhibition mm. um and now in inhibition um it means different things to different people so i was just wondering what is your definition within this context about mm. inhibition okay. Inhibition is like uh, when you are bombarded with different kinds of informations. You know the information that you have to pay attention to and ignore the other informations that is talking about inhibitions. So ignoring, inhibiting uh, the irrelevant informations and then you can focus on the things that you really need to. That is what we are trying to train the children so that they will be more focused on the things that they need to know. Oh, okay, great. Nicholson, Thank you so, so much for, yeah. for this. It's been really, really fascinating. I could ask you another thousand questions, yeah. but I won't. Um, okay. I will save it for your next article. I really, sure. really look forward to, to interviewing you again, having you on the Mindset okay. podcast. So thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Welcome. A Mindset is a diverse group of individuals from different walks of life that have come together with a common goal to help. For most of us, this is our second job, 
and we have all chosen to take time to provide affordable counseling to anyone who might need it. Having access to such a diverse group, a teacher, a nurse, an accountant, a corporate, has meant that not only can we tap into each other's experiences, but our clients benefit too.